Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Smile. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined today by Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. Hello, hello. I imagine you, greedy queen, waving over there. Ambriana Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. Ow! Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. We, uh... (laughs) We I, are trying so hard. I just wanted hard. to talk about tech. I just wanted to talk about tech. We got we new MacBooks. We just wanted to talk about tech. Oh. It's all we wanted. Except, yo, and 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 that's what we want to talk about. Unfortunately, most of the tech news this week in, includes, to borrow a phrase from Brianna Wu that she said just before our show started, jerk store millionaires or billionaires, I guess it really yep. should be said. Yep. And uh we don't want to talk about the jerk store billionaires because, frankly, they get enough time. So if, if you tuned in expecting to hear us talk about Elon Musk and, and Mark Zuckerberg and, and other jerk store billionaires, I just uh, want to not walk through the timeline of the jerk store billionaires because it, it's just been one thing after another, like not have it be a topic, but just be like Mark Zuckerberg today. Great interview with Kara Swisher. Great for her. Uh, not so great, great for him for because no. he said some ridiculous stuff about his platform but that's coming off the heels of elon musk just hot fingered tweeting nonsense (laughs) oh yeah we increasingly see him do i mean he's gonna get himself sued and 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 and, uh, uh uh you know uh elon libel laws in the uk not as good as the libel laws in the united states just gonna point that out there and leave it at that mm 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 was that were there any other jerk store billionaires that demanded our attention? I mean, there were the I mean, there was the Oh, Congress. Uh, there was Congress, <laughs> right. Maybe that's for jerk store millionaires. But yeah, that's yeah. a different yeah, I don't tier. think we have any billionaires in Congress because we certainly don't have any in the Oval Office. So I right. don't think <laughs> <laughs> But see, that's just evidence of it it racking up because it it was the millionaires and then the billionaires were like, "Oh, we'll come out to play." Oh, exactly. People They're are like, saying oh. foolish things. I my favorite thing, and I we're not going to make it a topic, but I will just recommend uh, a wonderful write up on Gizmodo. Who was it? Hudson H- Hudson Hongo, our our own knife dog. That's that's his uh, nickname. Uh, Hudson, yeah, Bless great pre post. Talked about Elon Musk candidly showing his entire ass on Twitter, uh, and that's the best <laughs> sentence, despite the imagery that I read all week. But now we're going to talk about. The news from the 2018 MacBook redesign. Yes. Yes. Which yes. is this is this is what we call the the rocket effect, right? Yep. Because <laughs> that's this right. was literally announced the morning after our podcast was recorded. It was one of those things. And it was a total surprise. Nobody was expecting this. And it was like, oh, really? I woke really? up and I was like, why are people talking about the MacBook? And that's fake. This is fake. And then mm-hmm. it was, no, no, it, it's because we recorded an episode of Rocket and then they decided, well, now's time to drop that hard tech news that we know Rocket loves to talk about now that they can't do it for another week. Anyway, uh, so a few people have gotten their hands on it. Um, I believe John Gruber had some takes on it and then TechCrunch had a great write-up. Macworld had a great write-up. So this is basically taking everything from the 2017 sort of refresh of the MacBook Pro and just bumping it up uh, in the 15-inch model, or in yeah. all the models, they've got the new processor. All the models, yeah. yeah. And then in the 15-inch, they have the new RAM. 
Yeah, well, it, it's a uh, yeah, exactly. And up to 32 gigs of RAM and the 15 and uh, up to a, a, a hexacore. Well, it is all always a hexacore, but a hexacore up to an i9, actually, if you bump it up all the way. Um, <laughs> and in the uh, in the 13 inch, it goes from a, a, a dual core, which is what the um, uh, i5, i7s have been in the MacBook Pro in the 13-inch model, I think always. I don't think they've ever had a quad core in in the 13-inch model. Um, nope. It's going to a to a quad core, which is significant. And yeah. um, and the 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 GPU, you know, it's still integrated on on the 13-inch. Um, it's a little better on the 15-inch. That's not a huge uh, bump. The big deal is that it's the hexacore and uh, up to 32 gigs of uh, of RAM, which is massive. Yeah, that really makes the 13-inch like a viable laptop at this point. Like, you could feasibly do, like, not hardcore video editing on it, but that... Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that really, that's very attractive to me. Um. Yeah, so I, I agree. I mean, I think that you could do... Um, I think I, I would argue that you could do video editing very well on the 13-inch MacBook Pro before because I've definitely done it on on my 2017. Um, maybe not like some like high-end like 4K, 8K stuff for sure. Uh, but I think that most editing stuff was fine. But now you're right. Now it actually takes it to another level where if you wanted to make it your main primary workstation, you could do that with a 13-inch, have it connected to you know uh, one or two 4K displays and and really be going to town. Um, obviously, you know, having Christina, more really better. I'm going to owe it when I I'm going to own this. When I said video editing, I really meant playing Civilization Six. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, That's okay. I, really, I appreciate it. Really meant to say. I was trying Brianna to adjust sound her all, glasses and yeah, hmm, just yes. trying to sound all business like. I would love to yeah. use the up the I really, I really I meant playing Civ Six. Yeah, on no, the you're right. Because Civ Six, yeah. I mean. It's still not going to be great because of the the, the integrated GPU, but with that better uh, processor, if you grab a um, what call it, if you get some um, uh, what an external GPU action going, yeah, yeah, I think I think your Civ Six gameplay would be really exciting. <laughs> okay, that's good. So that's the good. other things, there's a more powerful battery, which will equal out to same battery life in the yep. the 15 inch model that has more RAM. Uh, it has the True Tone display that is on mm-hmm. the iPhones and. The keyboard has been updated with a thin layer of rubber over the keys to, quote unquote, make the keys quieter, which is what the story is, as Apple is currently engaged in some class action lawsuits about dust breaking the keyboard, but they have succeeded in adding a thin layer of rubber that protects the mechanism of the butterfly keys and makes them quieter yeah yeah it's really interesting how they've done this how they because because Dieter from the verge bless him did ask them directly has this fixed the keyboard issues and they said no 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 the only a they were like only a very small number of people have had this problem and meanwhile like literally 10 percent of my coworkers have had this issue Bree has had this issue multiple times. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, one out of three of your coworkers on rockets. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, it, it was. It's like six out of sixty. Um, uh, you know, uh, on, on my team, um, because we're almost all of us are Mac users, and uh, you know, and, and that's just been the last couple of months, and so. You know, they're like, oh, it's only a, a small handful of people. And I'm like, mm, is it though? But okay, cool. And, and and then they're like, oh, but you know, uh, we didn't change anything except for making it quieter. And then the iFixit teardown reveals that, you know, they made some changes that look a whole lot like a patent that Apple got that might have fixed the dust problem. So who's to know? I mean, John Gruber made... Uh, 
a valiant effort, I think, to try to explain why Apple might not be forthcoming about this, claiming, oh, it's a class action thing. And of course, they're not going to say it. That might be sort of true. I still think that's BS. I think that if you made an update that that fixed things, you should admit it. Because at this point, to to my mind, they've already extended the the warranty on the laptops. They've already done that, which in a lot of ways admits kind that of, there's a problem. Yes, and and also in some ways mitigates the class action lawsuits because the class action lawsuits they can kind of come back and say, well, look, we are, you know, making, we are oh. giving you repairs. So, so, I mean, look, I'm not a lawyer, but to, to me that, that weakens a lot of the main class action claims. And so I don't buy this as, oh, well, legally Apple can't say they fixed it. No, they absolutely could. You know, it, it, the company just doesn't want to, if it is indeed fixed for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Uh, but I'm not going to give them a pass on not clarifying the issue because frankly, I think that whether this is fixed or not, which will remain to be seen, there are going to be many, many, many people who are going to be hesitant about buying this laptop, not knowing if it's fixed it's or not. It's going to be awkward if, I mean, if the lawsuits are the issue once they get resolved and how is Apple going to then come out and say, and here are now functioning keyboards that will not break because of <laughs> other reasons that are definitely not the layer of rubber. I think my real question is, Bree, are you going to be the one to bite the bullet and live with this computer long enough for us to find out if the keyboard problem is fixed? Yeah, I feel like I brought I bought an iMac this year. Mm-hmm. I bought like the 13 inch. Uh, I'm sorry, the 12 inch MacBook. I'm good on Macs for now. Really, and you don't want to give Apple more of your money? No, I, I'm fine. I'm fine for right now. So uh, yeah, I just I think like for all of Apple's talk about oh we respect the Mac, we love the Mac, we we're invested in the Mac. I think they could make Mac users more happy if they just flat out told Dieter, like, yeah, and we fixed that buster ass keyboard. Yeah, like, <laughs> I agree. I agree. They just I, said that. But they're so coy. No, I feel like so many people would be willing to be like, yeah, take my money. Even people who have 2016 models who wouldn't be like, oh, you owe me a discount. They would be like, no, just, you know, either because because also uh, assuming that they have this this methodology, there's nothing that implies that there's no way um, that they couldn't apply this technique to existing laptops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, definitely. So, oh. definitely. so, so to me, I mean, it it, it kind of be like, well, if you do run into this problem, now we have a way to make sure it's not going to happen again. I don't know. I feel like it would be a win for them to just like acknowledge the situation. What is interesting, and I, and I, I think it's worth noting, you mentioned uh, Brie that you know you just bought a MacBook or an iMac rather, and that you have the yeah. the, the twenty twelve the the twelve inch sorry uh, MacBook. Yep. I was that was my only disappointment. I would have loved to have seen the the um the MacBook get an update. And maybe we'll see that this fall because I can't justify uh, another 13-inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> I just can't. Um, I have one for work that works paid for. Um, I could buy my own, but that would be weird. A 15-inch, as nice as that would be, I have a 27-inch 5K iMac. I don't need a 15-inch MacBook Pro with touch bar, um, especially not at the prices that they are, which are mm. absor- exorbitant. Um, uh that that's one thing that didn't change. But if they, you know, had an updated um, uh, MacBook, that would be, especially if, if it changed the keyboard mechanism, that would be one thing where I would be like, oh, yes. I, I, I will do give personally you my like having a MacBook Pro uh, for my video editing so that like, because I keep everything on Dropbox. Then if yeah. I have a project that I'm working on, on the iMac, but I need to work from home one day, for example, or if I just want to work somewhere else in the office and not be 
kind of confined to my desk. It has been nice for me to have the iMac and the MacBook Pro, but also work provided those for me. So very different situation. No, well, I was going to say I have a 13-inch 2017 MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. Oh. I have one for the work provided me. Oh. I, I, you know, but, but it's my work machine. It, it belongs to Microsoft, but it has all my own stuff on it. And then I, but so I'm just saying if I were to buy another MacBook, mm, it would make yeah, sense for me yeah. to get a 12 you have inch to wait not for buy. IT to refresh you. Yeah, which, or, or a little or to top break. off, please. Or to break. Maybe, <laughs> just maybe, push maybe it out I can the break window. it. It's fine. Mm. Yeah. 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 What and, were you going to say, Brie? This. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, this to me really differentiates the 12-inch MacBook and the 13-inch MacBook Pro. I would uh, agree. The new, the new uh, set of cores in there. If you look at the Geekbench scores, and I certainly have, there's a really, really big performance difference between yeah. the 15-inch and the 13-inch, the old one. And for me, it's like, well, I'm not going to be able to do real work on this anyway, so let me just get the lightest one of it right. I can, even though the the weight difference is not that that big a deal. To me, if it's kind of four cores in it, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden makes that 13-inch MacBook really, really, really attractive to me. That makes that the one that I want to go buy. Uh, I love my my 12-inch. It's fast enough for email and, you know, surfing. The battery life is amazing. It's a really good machine, but, you know, like when it comes to playing Civ 6, let's just be honest, it doesn't do that super well. Like you can get through a round with three world leaders, but that's it. So I don't know. This this really makes that more attractive to me. I'd, I'd also say I love Intel's new naming scheme for their processors. Christina, when you said KB, like, I'm just going to be honest. I've not studied architecture that much with Intel lately. And you had to say KB like, like 20 times before I memorized it on the show. <laughs> like, that's the latest. And now it's Coffee Lake. Coffee Lake, Lake uh-huh. I can remember that. Like, yeah, no, it, no co- it's Coffee Lake is definitely, yeah, no, Coffee Lake is definitely better. Um, and uh, I mean, and, and and it's interesting because the whole reason they were able to do this was because Intel finally made some real breakthroughs on um, uh, their laptop chips. The fact they were able to get the the quad core into the smaller form factor, um, and, uh, and and the same thing with the uh, with the hexacore to be able to then do the thirty two gig um, limit. So. You know, some of this, um, even though other companies had been able to do quad core, you know, machines and laptops before because of the types of parts Apple used and because of their, their you know, their, their low power stuff, um, they hadn't, you know, and they're slower to update those things. It hadn't happened. So part of it, you know, you could say it was, oh, well, Intel, you know, took a while and, and Apple follows Intel's schedule. But, you know, these had been available for a while and it's great to see um Apple finally adopting them. And I think what's also good about this is that um, even though I still think that a lot of the the Windows competitors for laptops are coming at the MacBook Pro really hard, and, and especially from a price perspective, mm-hmm. this at least puts Apple back in the game because I've been looking at maybe getting a Huawei MateBook X Pro. And it's like, like you know, like $1,500 if you get one that has a quad core, 16 gigs of RAM, a 512 SSD, um, a, a, a NVIDIA a graphics card, and um, a um, it's like a 13.9 inch, um, a, you know, high resolution display. It's not 4K, but it's 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 um a, 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 about it's a little bit less than what the MacBooks is, but but not not much. And so um, and it has USB C, Thunderbolt three, and all and mm-hmm. a USB A port, all the goods, and a, and, and a and a, a, a um, SD card slot. So it it's like a, a very nice machine. Um, and a lot of people have been giving it really good reviews. 
And like, to me, I look at that and I look at like the Dell XPS 13 line and I'm like, if I was somebody who wasn't beholden to Mac OS, if, if say I'm, a, um, I'm a, an Adobe user, so I'm primarily using Creative Cloud, I'm not really caring about my OS mm-hmm. so much. Why would I want to pay more for a Mac that gives me lesser performance? And now you actually have, you know, with the, with the 13 inch model, a quad core thing, you, it's still only, it's still going to be limited in RAM, but most of the other ones are too. And you can make the argument, okay, I can get the you know superior operating system if, if that's um, your bag, and it's you know not that much more. It's 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 more in line. So I think that's a really good thing. And so even though this hasn't addressed all the complaints that people have had about the MacBook Pro, I think that the performance improvements are big enough that it's um, it's worth looking at. And it's more than just it, it's interesting. This seems like this was a pretty big deal update, and it's funny that they basically did they it hit in it. secret. Right. They hit it. Yeah, they hit it. And I I think it it kind of, it speaks to what we uh, were concerned about, which is kind of Apple not catering as much to the pro users. This absolutely, it's like a total pro user update. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. And, and, And it was interesting too, in that, you know, they were showing apparently at this, you know, event that they had for the press who was there, you know, apparently they were showing people how they used their tools, but they you know, a lot of it wasn't like specifics with with specs and speeds and whatnot. It was just more like, oh, this is how I create my stuff, which is great to see. But, you know, what's going to sell these things is people saying my render times are going from this to this, (laughs) you know, which is which is interesting because a lot of the YouTube videos that I've watched where people do those exact benchmarks have shown that these are incredible. And so that's really good. But again, you know, it's kind of it's it's interesting that it's like you have this significant update um, and it's kind of done in secret and then just kind of announced out of nowhere. Like, it's just like, okay. But I'm not saying they should have had an event, but Don't you think Casey like, Johnson kind of forced their hand though? I mean, because she has owned the keyboard store. Oh yeah, she, I and, mean. And it's really forced this public perception of a, a real crisis of confidence in the MacBook. The other day when I was out at the Apple store, uh, I forget what for, it was like uh, something for my, uh, you know, home kit. And I'm sitting there listening to, uh, you know, like a college kid. This is who you would think would be Apple's key audience. And they're there looking at the MacBook, and they're just like, like, oh, I heard the keyboard is bad. I heard the keyboard yeah. doesn't work. This is definitely the public perception at this well, point. Right, so, right, right. Which, which again, is, is, which is my point, which is like, okay, you've made this update. You've done something differently to the keyboard. You've made it quieter is all you're saying. But there's a good chance that you've made some you know, structural updates that will make it more uh, reliable as well. And instead of using this as an opportunity to even, I'm not saying you have to do a big live stream thing, but you could do a little more pomp and circumstance than just kind of like, and it's out and the keys are quieter. You know what they I mean? They should like, have sent Casey Johnson a freaking preview model. Oh, That's they what they have. should have done. That well, wasn't smart PR. I, I agree. I yeah. Well, I mean, but, but what that would require, unfortunately, would be them actively acknowledging that there's a problem. Yeah. Which, so, which I mean, they yeah. haven't done so far. So before we move on, I just want to say, did you notice uh, this is, we didn't even touch this with the, the, um, with the new Microsoft uh, Surface thing we touched on last week, but I had completely missed this, that when Intel came out with their you know, chip name and they made i7, my God, that was like back in 2008 almost. Yeah. It's been there a long time. They revived the Pentium name. Yes. They are actively marketing <laughs> chips now with the Pentium name. Yes. When I think of Pentium. I know. That's like saying like I know. the the 
the you know, like the ENIAC, right? Like no, it's, totally, totally. It's computer history. And I think about the stupid Intel like uh scandal where you know the the chips have mathematical errors in it uh-huh. and the public doesn't understand how overclocking works. And <laughs> yep. yeah, you know, they're having to do all these things to like appease the public. And then they resurrected that brand name. Why would they do that? I don't um, understand. It's interesting because they've been these uh, Celeron has been resurrected as well. Uh, yep. they both exist, which is interesting because Celerons were always like the the bend Pentium. So it was basically, you know, same chips, but they, you know, failed certain bend tests or whatever and so you couldn't put it in you know so maybe if you you would clock it under you would you know you you would underclock it because it, yeah. it didn't pass a bin test but you could technically overclock it in in a lot of cases it would be just as reliable whatever so the Celeron name still exists and yeah they brought the Pentium name back i think about I think about eight years ago, it might have been might have Did been a they? little more recent. And I just it's, missed it all this yeah, time. Yeah, it's it yeah. has it does it's not used very often. It's mostly used, <laughs> and in this case, well, and it's been revived a couple of times. And I think now it might be slightly different than it was before because before I believe that it was almost used. I don't know if they were like bend core processors or not, or if it was kind of another way of of like atom, uh, the atom processors. Now I believe that it's basically bend like M five processors. So M fives and threes. So still using the core basis, but just not clocked the same speeds. So yeah, it is interesting. Um, but you're right because it's it's funny at this point. I don't know what cache, if any, the Pentium name evolves. I mean, it, right. it's of course what's famous with Pentium is that you know Intel made you know the the um, x eighty six processors, the you know three eighty six forty six whatever, and then because they. Um, anybody could could make a clone of that and still call it those numbers because they couldn't copyright the number that that's why they had the the, the Pentium name which made it harder yep. for other companies like Cerex and, and AMD and 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 others to uh, to clone and and it it really put a damper in the clone wars uh, for a time until you know AMD um uh, their their K series you know and some of their other things and then obviously the Athlon which became a a, a big deal but um yeah it really hurt <laughs> the uh the the cloned uh, x86 uh, processors with the Pentium brand. What do you think, Simone? Uh, Pentium, is that the past or the future? It's, I, I've completely forgotten about their drama. So maybe... <laughs> <laughs> okay, but how old was I? How old was I when that happened? Well, that was 2011. Like, I wasn't that young. Yeah. No, but when the Pentium first came out, you were like... when You were, you were born in 89, right? Uh, 90. 90. Okay, so yeah. So you were like... You were like three or four when the Pentium came out. Okay, yeah. There's there's a whole generation out there who has no idea what you're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was gonna say because yeah, like, cause like two Core two whole generations. Yeah, because Core two was 2006, and then Core two Duo was 2007. So, and that was like the you know the the breakthrough. Um, and uh, or no, it was Core, and then it was it was Core Duo, and then it was Core two. So yeah, exactly. And that was like the breakthrough was was the Core processors. And that was like 2006, 2007. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander multiplies your team's productivity by making up-to-date shared knowledge available instantly. Using Text Expander, all of your team's common responses are bullet points, accessible, yes, and searchable (laughs) through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts. Second bullet point, written and edited by your best writers. You know, Dave, you don't want him writing (laughs) ever. My God. (laughs) Hook the man up with some snippets. Save a life. 
third bullet point. Available on multiple platforms. Mac OS, iOS, Windows, Web. Fourth bullet point. Updated immediately and everywhere when modified. Parentheses by your best writers. If you're on a team, Text Expander will change your working life and leave more time for what you do best. And for larger teams, Text Expander supports single sign-on, hallelujah, and grouping accounts. This includes identity providers like Okta, OneLogin, and G Suite. That reduces the time it takes to onboard larger numbers of users, which sounds like a hell process, but it doesn't have to be because they're <laughs> making it as easy as it possibly can be. Do you guys have a good snippet story for me this week? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, yeah, I know. But yeah, yours, go ahead. Well, for me, it's like uh, so many of the things I write are so freaking routine, like running a campaign. Like, mm -hmm. that sounds good, or thank you. And, like, you can you can really get very programming with the snippets. Like, yes. it's it's just mix. I wouldn't say mix and match, but it, there really isn't. It's, it's a... You can get very detailed in how mm -hmm. all of these things work. And, like, if you're curious about how to do something, you can Google it. There's a million people that have thought of like some of the most creative applications for text expander you can imagine. So it's, it's fantastic. And they even send you like an email at the end of every week. Like yes, giving I love updates that. About it. So I, yeah, I, I was gonna say, I love the email. Cause like every week I'm like, you've saved this much time, you know, yep. with, with your text, with your snippets. I'm like, Hell yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's funny because, you know, um, what's really neat about it is that you can have all kinds of scripts in addition to just expansion stuff. So obviously you can expand in plain text, rich text, whatever. But you can also use uh, JavaScript, a shell script, or Apple script to um, have, you know, to command that, that it do something. And that's really awesome because, like, for instance, I have... Um, a, a script that I've had for a really long time that will grab all of the links from my Chrome tabs and then put them in a uh, Markdown reference list. And I've, I've done this for years and it's a way for me to kind of organize if I'm writing, you know, something um, and, and I want to be able to quickly reference stuff. I have that list to just look up to. And so I just type in um, uh, semicolon links and it does it with, um, uh, you know, for, for Chrome and I have a different one for, for, for Safari. And, uh, and it's really, really great. Um, but I also have some stuff that I've been kind of playing around with, like some JavaScript things that, that'll work like more cross-platform or, or wherever you are. And that's really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love my, uh, my, my text expander snippets for I sure. I love the idea of building complex, sprawling conversations in text expander. So I never you have to talk Mark to anyone. Mark Zuckerberg again. needs he needs text expander for his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to check writers. out text expander, you yeah. can go to textexpander.com slash podcast now to learn more about text expander. Thank you so much, Text Expander from Smile, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. All right, let's talk some scams. Let's talk some scams. Let's talk scams. Scam o'clock. All right. Do we want to start with Movie Pass or yes. Star Citizen? Movie Pass. So, Christina, I want to know what's up with this because you you are still, I think, of us. You are a Movie Pass subscriber. I am, and you know am, that so there may be a way out for you, but there's not a way out for them. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. No, here's the thing. Like, and I'm saying this with the fear that they will shut down my account and then I will be very sad. Um, so my husband, um, his father is not doing well. And so he's been out of town for the last couple of weeks. And so I've been going to the movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Really? A lot, a lot. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I now have, like, evenings free and stuff. And, like, what, one of the few activities you can kind of do solo especially when it's hot outside, is to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. Also, you want that air also, conditioning. Also within half a mile of my apartment are not two, but uh, or not one, but, but two big cineplexes. So there's an AMC and there's a Regal, um, both with like, you know, 12 plus screens. And so obviously some of the screens you can't use with MoviePass because they're 3D or, or premium or whatever, but the other you can. And so I've been taking advantage of, of MoviePass, even though... Like there's no way that we talked about this before. Like there's no way this business model works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Like nine ninety five a month for all the movies you want. Oh, and I paid less than that because I got in on a deal that was ninety dollars <gasps> for a year. Wow. And and because I paid upfront, and I got a year of this Fandor um, uh, subscription streaming service for free. And the thing is, I was already subscribing to Fandor for two dollars a month through, through Amazon Prime. So I then just canceled that. So, like. And it's not that Fandor has great stuff, but they have enough like documentaries and like weird indie stuff that I had paid for it for Amazon. I was like, it's two dollars. Who cares? And but but I, but I got both of those things for like ninety dollars, and I was like, okay. So <laughs> I mean, you this know, is why they're losing twenty million dollars. What is it a week, a month, a, a month like or something? That? Yeah, yeah no. a month. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, and and also because I paid annually. When they they've just started this new thing called surge pricing, where they're like, "Oh, the movie's <gasps> really popular. We'll start. We'll charge you a small they're fee." They're doing surge pricing for movies. Yes, yes. Oh uh, the, my god. Uh, the, the the New Yorker article that uh, that w- that we're gonna link to that was like looking at the alternate business models. A number of those things have actually are actually changes they're making. So one of the changes they just introduced is they have the surge pricing thing. So if you are month to month, you are are now. Um, uh, ha- have to deal with that. But if you're like me and you're on an annual plan or if you're like the people who bought it at Costco where I think it was even cheaper um, on an annual plan, you don't get it until it's time to renew. Um, but the, the the search pricing and the amount differs and they won't really tell you what it was, but it, it can apparently be up to, I don't know, like, like, like $4 or something. And so all things told, like most people would still rather pay, you know, a couple of dollars to see a movie than, than like, 15. Yeah. So, you know, although some people might just go home and be like, screw it. But the, uh, the, the other thing they're going to be doing is, is they're going to be rolling out the premium upgrade option. So if you want to pay to actually see like the, the, the IMAX or, or the 3d or like the premium seats or whatever thing, then they'll be like, Oh, well, yeah, you just pay the difference. Or you just pay this or that, that I think they're going to be less successful with because I can put up with the fact that I know this company is, is on the brink of failure because I'm more than getting my money's worth. But as soon as you start wanting to upcharge me, so AMC Stubbs now has a new A-list plan. And what that is, is it's $20 a month. It only works at AMC theaters. But as I said, for me, that's not a problem because there's a really nice AMC theater close by. Um, And it works uh, three movies a week. And weeks start on Friday, which is how they kind of get you. So, you Mm. know, a week starts on Friday. So if you saw a movie Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you wouldn't be able to see a movie until the next Friday. But you can see any movie you want. You can see them over and over again. MoviePass recently instituted um, a thing where you can only see a a movie a single time. Um, So if you're stoned and you see Ocean's 8 and you actually want to go back and see it, (laughs) not stoned... 
not that that happened to me or anything. Um, no, total, no. Uh, you know, you're out then, of then luck. You have, you're then just you're plain out of luck. I mean, I caught enough of it, and I very much enjoyed it. And I wish there was more in Hathaway, and and that the lesbian subtext was stronger. It was a good movie, but but I was also pretty high. Um, in a state where and, that is legal, Washington yeah, State. I was actually in Colorado, but another same. state is, where that is legal. Yeah, that's precisely. Right. So uh, well played, so, Christina. Really, Indeed. you should never live in a state where that's not legal. I like agree Massachusetts, with you. Colorado, Listen, Seattle. Uh, yeah, New, 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 New York, if, if Cynthia Nixon gets elected. Um, yeah. yeah, but but uh, but anyway, um, so they had that limitation. But um, the nice thing about the AMC uh, subs thing is that it's going to, like, you can see any of the premium things. So if you want to go to the IMAX, you can go to IMAX. If you want to do, like, the, the, the 4D or whatever, you know, like, the super expensive thing, you can do that, and it doesn't matter. You can also, with, with subs, a-list, you can reserve in advance. So you can pick your seat, you can buy online, whatever. Um, so, you know, all in all, if you're loyal to AMC and you're okay paying double um, and, and you go to movies frequently, it's probably a better deal because it's a better program. But there's something magical about $10 a month for, you know, up to a movie a day. And, and even if it's a crappier experience. Uh, I mean, that's why I quit it because it was such a bad experience. Like oh, trying yeah. to get it. Like, uh, I don't even want to get into it. But no, no. This but is, oh, exactly. Which is why it's a total scam. They're going to go out of business. I'm yeah. aware of this. I'm just trying to milk it as much as I possibly can until that happens. <laughs> that's all. No, I, I think that's great. I love the email where they announced this because I used to be a, a former oh, member and I read the email and it's like, hey, Brie, congrats. I hope you had a great 4th of July. Yes, uh, yes. We're charging you a lot more. But it's like in the fourth paragraph down. And I just yeah. like, it was, it was, and I, I knew it was coming. And I'm like, okay, how are they going to break this bad news to me? And it's just like they—they're not. They barely say it, and they talk all around. Oh yeah, yeah. So, l- l- yeah. Let me see if I can find the email because it is actually really funny. Please, I shared is- with you a couple of weeks ago. The evolution of our product, which begins to roll out today, is centered upon a demand-based pricing system for movies and showtimes. And then it's just—it doesn't even mean anything. The paragraph I just oh, read. Oh yeah. You. So oh yeah. Oh, oh and I gosh. just got a new one. So apparently they've been doing this for a lot of people before, but now it's like universal. So now. I guess to try to fight fraud because so many people were, you know, using MoviePass fraudulently where they buy it for a friend or or they'd, you know, return a ticket and get it for something else and then, you know, pay the difference or whatever. Now they make you um, verify your ticket. So after you buy your movie ticket, you have to take a photo of your stub with the app and send it to them so they can verify that oh you actually gosh. bought a ticket for the movie that you went yep. to go see, yep. which adds more friction to the process. A couple weeks ago, and I was somebody who was complaining about this, the whole freaking site went down on a Friday night, the day that Ant-Man versus Wasp opened. So it's not working. And they finally, they were like, all right, buy the ticket and then, you know, send, send us the proof and we'll, we'll reimburse you. And I'm like, there is no way that this is sustainable when your system goes down and you're like, okay, we'll just reimburse you. It's like, no, Dude. no, no. Yep. It's, yep. It, it's, it's, and, and then the company behind it, like I have, a, I, I feel strongly that the people who actually work for MoviePass are probably legit and probably think that they're working for a legit company. But if you look into the parent company, Helios and something that owns them, they are shady as all get out. And the CEO of the parent company has had like five or six like bankrupted businesses in the past. Like the Miami um, uh, Herald did a whole oh, thing on it. Wow. There's a he's lot. Gonna be, he's going to oh, be president I'm, of the United States soon. I'll, I'll find the link shady. to get you yeah. some of it. 
yeah. whole thing is really fascinating because I, this is the only time I wish that I was like still, I don't have, there aren't many stories where I'm like, damn, I wish I was still a reporter. You want to be so on that special projects desk. That's what I'm saying. This would be the thing because I I would have ways in. Like, this would be like Echo again. Like, I, I'm just like, I smell it. I smell the scam. I smell it. <laughs> and yet at the same time, I'm I'm guilty of this because I'm totally taking advantage of it until it goes away. Like, I know it will not last forever, but I'm like, as long as this lasts, let me just see every movie I can with this thing before it implodes. All Do you right, think that right. anything bad is going to happen to the consumers who are, I guess, on board with MoviePass like you? Or is it all just going to um, kind of explode in their faces? Yeah, no, I don't think anything bad is going to happen to consumers. I would say my fear would be if anybody is, and I don't even know if they're selling them anymore, but if they are selling annual passes, like say you bought an annual pass tomorrow and then they went out of business um, mm-hmm. next week you're probably not getting your money back, right? Like you might be able to to, to make a, a, a charge back no with your credit card or whatever. No one's getting any but, money out of this. That's the point. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, 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 but I'm just saying, like, I think that honestly, at this point, if it's $10. If you use it once, yeah. it's paid for itself in, in most major cities. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that the only thing that it does, uh, The Verge had an interesting thing. I didn't agree with all of it, but basically said that movie passes ruining movies. Um, I didn't agree with all of the, uh, the the statements, but I but I did think that it made some some good um, points. I do think that it it even though it does increase people going to the movies because it's so cheap, it also has the you know the counter reaction of which is if devaluing movies exactly, and, yeah. and also if this goes away, it's not as if behavior is going to continue because people no. are going because it's cheap. I do yeah. think that long term. Plans like the AMC plan, which at twenty dollars a month and three movies a week is a lot more sustainable. Plus, AMC, um, you know, has tracking information about because if you're a rewards card member about what you see and how much you spend and other stuff, and so they can do all kinds of things with that data, which has been Movie Pass's mo. Like that's been their their business cases. They're like, oh well, we can have all we can sell this data about our about our, our customers to you know the I the, love the, the it theaters when companies sell data. Yeah, well, that's well, awesome. well, for $10 that's a month, awesome. I mean, I think a lot of people won't you're care. You're right. It's a sacrifice that you know it, you're it getting is. into. And, <laughs> oh, my right, totally. I mean, I mean, I right, a contract I want, with the I devil. I want to talk about this other scheme. Yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. about yeah. this other scheme. movie pass, but, but I'll give you the Miami Herald uh, piece. Oh, and I then, found um, it, and I'll read the headline okay. to you right now. A trail of lawsuits and a failed psychic hotline. <laughs> Meet the Miami man running movie pass. That is in the show notes, folks. Wow. Check it out. Uh, was he also, behind Miss Cleo? Uh, no, he you was not. It was, it was a similar one, but it was not. Sadly, it was not Miss Cleo. I miss Miss Cleo. I know. Miss awesome. Cleo was, she should, she should have seen it coming. Wow. <laughs> so speaking of consumers okay. actually suffering, I guess, consequences of uh, investments, uh, a court has denied the claim of a man who was seeking a refund from a Kickstarter for a video game that he funded. The video game is Star Citizen, which has been delayed for a heck of a long time. And they're <laughs> a little the bit plan- of the time. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were... Okay, yeah. so, so as someone who has developed games, as someone that has raised money for game to make games, as someone that has done all of this before, I think the worst trend in our whole industry is doing a Kickstarter and getting a bunch of money Mm-hmm. And then keeping a game and releasing it in a permanent alpha state. Mm. Like this is this is the worst trend. And the thing is, uh, 
You know, this is a developer that made some of the most beloved flight sims of all times. He could have had a publisher. He could have raised this money himself. But instead, what what he did essentially was pass all the risk on Mm -hmm. to the players for the game. Right. And, you know, Star Citizen, it's a game very much in the vein of Wing Commander, you know, these games that made him famous in the first place. Uh, the, the, the third game of that series, Wing Commander 3, it stars Mark Hamill in the 90s in full glorious CGI cutscenes. It is dated and awesome mm-hmm. and glorious. But, like, this is, this is essentially a lawsuit from somebody that had, um, he had put forward $4,496 towards this game ahead of time. Before the game came out, there's an alpha period, and basically the scope of the game keeps changing, the the gameplay keeps changing, the release date keeps getting pushed back and back, and they raised, what was it? Uh, was it almost $200 million? It was. It was, ex- that it was $190 million. Mm-hmm. $190 million. That's, that's enough From to develop. From more than 2 million people. That's how much a Call of Duty game yes. costs to develop. There's no excuse for it taking this long to get a game like this out. And at the they're still offering these really unjustifiable purchases. Like I remember when uh the Star uh the Star Trek MMO offered a Borg kit where you could be uh you could have uh you could be a liberated Borg as your starship captain. And they sold that pack for one thousand dollars, and were met by outrage from the players. It, it, especially since the MMO died, like what, like a year oh, later? No, 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 no. It's it's still going. It oh, was is released it? on. Yeah, it did very, very well. Uh, it was released on PS4 last year, if I oh, remember okay. correctly. Then, then I must be thinking of another another uh, Star Wars or, or, or MMO game. That, it, that, it was that shaky. Ended. It was really shaky at launch. Then they retooled it, but for this one, they're releasing like twenty seven thousand dollar ship packs. For you to buy, and then like I'm doing the math in my head, I'm like, that's a Porsche 987 right there, like a really good one, like, right? Right. You know, <laughs> um, it just it feels like if you're going to invest that much money in a game, you need to be part of the payout when that game makes money. Like you need to that that's investment. Like you need yeah. to be expecting to recoup that at some point. It's just it's the worst trend in our whole industry. I, how do you feel, Simone? Yeah, I, I'm really glad to hear you speak about it because the like scope of the project is something that I'm not familiar with. But the the fact that I, I feel like if you are putting your game on Kickstarter, it seems logical to me, much like you did because you had your game on Kickstarter. You know what that game is going to be. That essential mm-hmm. idea, once you are getting money from investors shouldn't change from space flight sim to oh now there's a first person shooter segment right. like that that's a different game that's a different project that someone is investing in and right. to take that money from your i almost a constituents uh your the, the consumers who are going to buy your product probably anyway to use that to make something that is changing like the, the goalpost shifting that is disingenuous to me that being said i should check okay so this kickstarter is from 2012 yep so i would say in 2018 if this had happened in 2018 i would say consumers should know better by now than right. to invest in 
<laughs> I mean, video game Kickstarters have been falling off since like that golden age of the 20, 2010s, et cetera, because of behavior like this. Yep. Board game yeah. Kickstarters doing great. Video game Kickstarters, it's not, it's not probably possible to raise this much money anymore for this exact no. reason. Well, and in fact, I mean, I think this game didn't raise the $180 million, um on Kickstarter, raised a, a portion of it, and then it raised the rest of it, I think, on their own crowdfunding yeah. side, if I, if I know correctly. Because if it had no, raised I that much on, right. because yeah. if it had raised that much on Kickstarter, that would have been the most successful Kickstarter of all time by a lot of levels. Um, but, but yeah, but Kickstarter is hard, and it's interesting because, you know, Double Fine obviously was, was really successful, and that kind of set the tone of, okay, people can you know, uh, can, can do this. But what happens, and I think you're right, that if this had happened now, people would know better than to, to fund it. But back then, people still kind of, you know, were, were caught up in the Kickstarter bubble and, and you were having these success stories. And Kickstarter itself, their terms weren't clear to, you know, weren't as clear of saying kind of like what responsibility they had or did not have when it came to creator projects not not working. Um, and, you know, Kickstarter was always saying it's not a store, you know, that some things will work out, some things won't. But it got to the point where so many people were using Kickstarter as a marketing campaign that I think people, that message started to get diluted quite a bit. And, and obviously, you've had for every high-profile successful Kickstarter, and I would include Pebble in that, even though the company ultimately failed, they always delivered on time. They, they never had, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they might have had some delays, but they didn't mess up. Um, but but for every high profile like success, you have massively high profile failures. You know the the coolest cooler, which for for a period of time was the um, highest grossing Kickstarter. It was the stupid four hundred dollar cooler that I think they sold for two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, they still and they raised like twenty million dollars. It, it's a guy out of Oregon. He was uh, the court issued last year that says he has until I think twenty twenty to get every backer their reward. Um, but the only wow. way that he can do that, and he still owes like, I don't know, like 60,000 of them or something. The only way he can do that is by selling them at full price, which which he has not been successful at doing. So, you know, they've kind of trickled to a, a crawl in terms of how many backers are still waiting this thing that they paid for. But he was coming out and saying, look, it's costing me more to make this than it is to, you know, um, than, than what you paid. You know, there was even a period of time where there was like, oh, well, you know, you can pay more money to get it faster and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's really a huge disaster. It was this, you know, high profile, successful project. And then what happened is, is that you have a guy who just had no idea what he was doing, taking it over. What's so interesting to me about um, uh, uh, Star Citizen is that ostensibly this guy knew what he was doing and had made games before, and so he, he made some of the most classic yeah. games of all time. Right. I mean, so, yeah. so, so it's interesting because what you often see is you see people who just didn't understand the scope of the project, had no idea what manufacturing would be is, is usually what happens, or, or if it's game development, what that would entail, or board games or whatever, had no idea how to deal with those intricacies and and got in over their head. And and that's been that was the story with the Lily Drone. That was the story with with a lot of things. It was the story with with Coolest. What's so interesting to me here is that this was somebody who had successfully made games before, and yet I, you know, it looks like feature creep definitely got out of the way. But also, mm-hmm. it's just you know, it also you have to question you have to question at a certain point. You know, it's just this alpha. It's raised one hundred and ninety million dollars, and you're going, you know, is this is this just a scam? Like, it was this just ultimately a way to separate a lot of people from their money, or? Did he get over his head? Because I don't understand how you raise this much money. As you said, Bree, this is like high caliber AAA 
you know, budget money. This is like high quality. This is still like a big budget action movie amount of money, frankly. Mm -hmm. How do you, how are you not able to deliver? Like, I I don't understand. It's it's very confusing, especially, I mean, the network component of the original game, like there's a persistent world component, just like, you know, uh, No Man's Sky, for instance, except it's, you're living in a persistent world. I do think that is, much harder to do than a lot of game developers realize, which is why like Definitely. so many games ship with bad net code. Um, I just, I, I think something really bothers me here. You know, I want to go back to something you said, Simone, mm-hmm. where you were talking about, um, you know, how this wouldn't fly anymore. You couldn't get away with this. I, One of the fundamental shifts we've seen in Kickstarter and crowdfunding is uh, we have Bloodstained, the spiritual successor to Castlevania. Mm -hmm. That comes out. Uh, This is one of the Konami expatriates that (laughs) um, went there and funded this. This is someone who could have gotten money from a publisher, could have gone the traditional route, and he didn't. He chose to uh, basically put the risk on the players. We saw this with Shenmue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still seeing, seeing it with Shindo. We are, although they tell me they're going to ship it now. I know, I was going to say, I keep right. getting the emails, and I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. Right. When you log on to Facebook, and you get an ad from somebody, it's like, oh, this thing is so hot, come invest in this Kickstarter right now, or this GoFundMe right now, we're going to ship you this awesome tech product. You need to sit there and think through who fronted the cash for this giant Facebook ad campaign? Mm-hmm. Who fronted all the cash for this pr- professional video yep. to be made? And the reason that that happens is this is now a successful model to bringing products to market. You don't have to get the producer to do it. You can get consumers to buy a product on hype before it's proven, before reviews, when it may be vaporware and offload all that risk onto you. And it really, as you said, Simone, it's really crowded out the indie game dev scene. Yep. With these, like, more professional established people, in my eyes, really taking advantage of a system they don't need. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would think, agree. Yeah, it, we, yeah. We've seen that with movies, and, and it's it started happening less as, as I think you know, frankly, in the film community, people started to kind of come wise to it. But I was writing years ago when, when Zach Braff and when, um, um, uh, um, Rob, um, not the, not the Matchbox 20 guy, but the, the Veronica Mars guy, when, when they were, you know, using Kickstarter to back their films, um, I was like, you know, you don't need this. And I, I remember I, I interviewed both of them and they both were kind of not happy with me asking Rob Thomas. They, they were not that happy with me kind of asking that question, but I was kind of like, you know, Zach Braff, especially, and like you can raise this money the normal way. That's what you did for Garden State. Like you, you don't need this. And the same with with Rob Thomas. You know, you're basically, and eventually Rob Thomas was was pretty, you know, candid about once the um, attention for the Veronica Mars movie came into effect, then Warner Brothers really stepped up and was like, okay, we'll we'll fund more of this. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the film community, a lot of the backers kind of became smarter to it faster. But you're dead on, Bree. That what this does is it is it shuts out people who actually can take it who need crowdfunding who actually need it and and instead you know gives it to people who have the resources to get money either the traditional way or you know whatever and they're basically using it for marketing and and that's a problem especially when those people i mean and i would put shinmo in that category especially when you know they then don't deliver 
You know, yeah. it, it's it's like yeah. it, that that adds the whole thing. What makes it that much worse is the fact that like this. You know, the, I'm I'm glad that we're at least getting the re-releases of Shinmu one and two. If that's the only thing to come out of Shinmu three saga, fine. Um, <laughs> honestly, that's really all I've wanted in life. But because um, both of them are two of my favorite games ever, especially the first one. But um, I just want to find out what happened to Landy. That's yeah. why. That's why. I <laughs> no, I mean yeah. definitely, definitely. But 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 also, yes. but 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 yeah. But but you're dead on <laughs> that. Like this, this hurts the people who actually need this. And yeah. Anyway, I don't and know, unfortunately, this guy who will not be getting his money back uh, for the Marissa. Star Citizen. Yep. Well, shall we talk about some TV to wrap up the show? Woo! Yes. So, Christina, you have not seen Glow season two. I've only seen the first episode. Should we sell her on it, Brie? Yes, sell me on it. Sell me why I should continue because there's so much TV and I have so much movie past to watch. Okay, okay. So, uh, I, I'm i going to start this by assuming you've seen Glow season one. The first season of Glow really, uh, it was like the build up to the wrestling episode. Like, they mm-hmm. didn't even come up with their characters until like episode six, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. You're right. It's yeah. a lot of character drama this season i'm not a pro wrestling fan but this is everything i imagine something someone could love about pro wrestling because it's all the drama of the matches and the characters and the transformations and all the it's it's they have a whole episode this season that's just bad skits in the glow universe that oh, would have happened so on good. TV in the eighties. It was so good. <laughs> like they, they wrote musicals about not kidnapping children. And it is, it is just freaking amazing. It's also like feminist empowering and blah, blah, blah. That's great. But it's really just, it's a fun show this season in a way it wasn't last season. It's both fun. And then also the moments that are that the earned moments that are painful are so like, I, I feel for the characters on glow more, I think than I do. in so many of, so many prestige shows like yep. Game of Thrones or Boardwalk Empire, for example. Like, there's something that prevents me from connecting with the stories in those shows. But in Glow, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm I'm suffering. I'm right there having the <laughs> emotions as well as you know laughing because the show is hilarious. It really is. It is so. Oh I, I feel like they stepped up everything from last yep. season. Like every yep. theme that was present in last season is in this season times ten. Um, including, unfortunately, I feel like the director, Sam, like whatever happened between seasons, he for like two episodes takes this massive character step backwards to being yep. like the same uber sexist d- that he was that he at the like very beginning of last season that he seemed yep. to have grown out of. But anyway, but the character development following that is totally earned and very good. And I really friggin' enjoyed it. Yay. But it also it also has a moment. Every single character on the show, like last season, they were like a bunch of women in a stadium and with like crazy costumes or whatever. I shouldn't use that word, but uh yeah, just unique costumes, right? Over the top. This season, every single one of them has like a moment that gets really 
deep with them. Like you find out welfare queen, like more of her family backstory and like why she's there doing this. And it's, it's all really heartfelt and genuine. Like they really stepped up each of these characters. Um, and it's like you said, Simone, there's a huge emotional payoff, like as the season keeps going on. Yeah. Huge. Okay. Huge. Okay. I, I'm in. Cause I loved the first season and I, I did, I did read a number of interviews like that Allison Brie gave and she was like talking about how she really saw like the first season as the love story of, of Ruth and Debbie. And I was like, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, uh, but, but I also, I really enjoy this. It's such a different role for Allison Brie. Like, yep. honestly, still I stunning still, how they like, yes, under her. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it honestly is. I mean, with the eyebrows, I think we talked about it last year. It's the eyebrows that are the, the main different thing. And it's so bizarre because she so doesn't look like, you know, either her character in Mad Men or on Community. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's unsettling. Uh, it, it, but it's great. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm, it, it's so funny, too, that literally everybody from Community, you know, has or has had a Netflix show. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, ex- well, I guess Donald Glover is, is FX, but, but still... Um, yeah, they're making but, it. So, so before we go, I gotta ask. Okay, who is your favorite glow wrestler, Simone? Who speaks to your heart the most? Uh, the new Junk Chain. <laughs> she is so. Awesome. She's so good. <laughs> so this isn't really spoiling anything, but like, there's a new character that comes on to just replace one of the other characters from last season. She's amazing. Uh, I like Britannica because she's so. Terrible, an actress, and her thing is so shallow and dumb, and it just gets even dumber this season. It is amazing. Yeah. What about you, Christina? Um. Okay. Who is? Because now it's it's been a while since I've watched the whole thing all the way through. But who is who is the girl who uh um like has like the raccoon stuff? Oh, oh what's her name? Sheila. Yes, yes, yes. The Sheila. Wolf. Yes. She's a wolf. Yes, Sheila the she wolf. Yeah, I love her. I love her so much. She's great. <laughs> She is. All right. Christina, uh, you wanna you had another note, like end of the show note that you wanted yes, to add, right? I did, yes. Thank you for mentioning this. So uh Mike Ferry, who uh was a is a reporter at Kotaku and he does the snack taku stuff and um he's bunny spatial on Twitter. He um had a a, a massive uh, um uh, heart uh, issue, I guess, back in, in March. And um, it had like an aortic dissection and um, almost died. And he's been in the hospital um, for, for quite some time. And he is now, um, he's lost the use of his legs. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be paralyzed, if it's going to be permanent or, or not. But um, he and his wife, um, they have two um, autistic twins, uh, twin boys. And although they fortunately have um, uh, health insurance, you know, to cover things, it doesn't cover everything, especially since she is not paid to, to stay home and, and she needs to do that. So her, her work doesn't, doesn't provide paid leave. So, um, there's a, a um, a, a GoFundMe that, um, that we'll link to that, that, uh, Stephen Totillo, uh, mentioned again yesterday. Um, cause he's, you know, um, Mike is getting at the point now where he's, um, you know, hoping to, to get, um, a, a van and, and, you know, start becoming more, um, I guess, able to kind of, you know, start his life back again. But it's been a really rough climb for him the last few months. And he's a, he's a really nice guy. And uh, I, uh, I just, so if anybody out there, you know, have a, a few dollars to spend, this isn't normally something we do, but I just figured I'd, I'd draw awareness to that because this is, this is really rough uh, for his family and, and he's a terrific person. And um, so mm-hmm. just figured I'd throw that out there. 
Yep. And is. the link will be in the show notes if you want to check that out. And I know you're going to go to the show notes because you're going to be reading that Miami Herald piece yes. about uh, the movie pass CEO. What else are you up to this week, Christina? Uh, so I'm going to New York this weekend. So on Friday, I will be flying to New York and Hello. I'll be there and then I'll be flying back Monday morning because uh, I'm going to see Taylor Swift on, uh, oh my on Sunday. Gosh. Oh. Yep, yep, yep. Taylor, take two. This is my, my take-cation for, for 2018. Um, I'm going with my, uh, my good friend, Sarah, and uh, we have floor seats and I'm very excited. You big loser nerd. You're I know, wonderful. I know. I love I know, you. I know. I hope you I, enjoy I, like our cool New York weather, which we are genuinely having right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I did it like it was three years ago that I, I went to the, the 1989 tour at MetLife. So and it was hot. So I, I can do it. But uh, I, I'm very excited. Yeah. All right, Brie, what are you up to? Uh, I am continuing my quest to become uh, heat stroked uh, from continuing to canvas out nice. in this weather. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that. It's that. Seven more weeks. I'm, I'm going to make it. You're so close. You're so close to being free. I am. I am. I'm going to Fire Island for the first time this weekend. Oh my I'm gosh. so excited. Oh. I'm so excited. Oh my god. That's please take so many Instagram stories. Please. Uh, I will. So my friend, my coworker and friend Jenna has a car so uh, that she moved here with. She's going to get rid of it. But uh, before she does, we are taking advantage of that car and we're going to Fire Island, which hell yeah, uh, if you don't know it. It is a weird strip of an island off the coast of Long Island. Tina Fey lives there. It has a lot of gay history. I, I was going to say it's a very, very gay island. I'm so excited. There's a reality TV show about it um terrible one i'm pumped i'm very pumped so that's going to be my like my weekend relaxation please so. have are, so much fun aren't being all the gay islands pack. kind of gay though yeah but like, this one is, yeah is but this varied? one's like this one's like especially gay like yeah. it's mm. fire island it is literally a flaming <laughs> island like it is so gay i love it it's great you're gonna have a great time please have the gayest weekend ever simone i will <laughs> thank you thank you all right where can we find you online christina Oh, well, Bree, did you give your update? Yes, yeah, she did. Uh, this, She's I'm getting heat stroke. Stuff. I'm doing the same stuff, Christina. Uh, the Boston Globe is doing a story on me this week. Oh, cool. So. Excellent. Yay. Heck yeah. Yep. But where can we find you online? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter. under What's the name of my Twitter? Space Cat, Space Cat Gal, Gal with a K. Yeah. Space Cat Gal with, with a K. K. Very important. What about you, Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl, uh, where I will be uh, doing movie reviews via, uh, for MoviePass until they go out of business. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and, and I have to switch to the AMC program. And uh, also, uh, you can find me on Instagram at film underscore girl, where you should definitely follow me so you can see my, what will no doubt be like epic and ridiculous uh, Taylor Swift story um, <sighs> at Bed Life. I can't wait. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, you should check it out on Apple Podcasts and uh, leave a rating and a review because that is super appreciated. Uh, And of course, share it with somebody who you think would enjoy it. That is always a good move for making friends and getting your favorite podcast more listeners. Thank you so much, everyone. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.